0: Good to see you on this fine evening, and if you are joining us, we're glad to have you with us as well. It is uh, Good Friday today, and uh, even though, wow, it's a very Good Friday, so, what the lights? but that's not why. But anyways, we are here because uh, it is Good Friday, and even though we know the gospel, we know that Christ Jesus died on our behalf. Uh, but we know that it is a good fight because it is, it is for us. It is for those who believe it is for you that Christ Jesus died on the cross for. And so we're here to think about that, to sing songs that declare that, and, to, and just to rejoice and to, to worship the Lord Jesus Christ for his incredible sacrifice on the cross for us. Let me read to us our passage as our call to worship, and then I'll say a quick prayer, and then we will transition to our first song for worship. First Corinthians 15.3 says, For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. Amen. Let's go to the Lord and let's pray. Jesus, we cannot fathom... Uh, the depths of the emotions that you felt on this very evening as you were bruised, as you were spat upon, as you were insulted, as you bore the cross up until that hill, and as you cried out unto the Heavenly Father. Why, God, have you forsaken me? And Father, we, we rejoice this evening as we give our thoughts to Jesus Christ as he died there on the cross. Lord Jesus, we desire to worship you, to, to glorify you, because you have spared us from experiencing ourselves that depth of suffering. you took on our behalf so we want to worship you we want to glorify you we want to honor your name this evening and we pray that you might receive our worship as a sacrificial and pleasing offering be pleased to be with us this evening by your spirit bless it lord and use it for our encouragement we pray in jesus name amen amen
1: Amen, church. Let's stand in worship this morning. Amen. Let's sing together.
2: What can wash away my sins? What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood can make me
1: This uh, scripture reading comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 to 16. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Hey, Amen. Let's continue worship. Uh-huh.
2: Say thy strength indeed is small, child of weakness. Watch and pray, find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, his Lord, all to him I owe. Sin that left a crimson saint. He washed it white as snow. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. He washed it white as snow. He washed it. it Faded it all, all, all to Him, him I owe, Lord. Sin had, had left, left a crimson stain. stain.
3: Our next verse is found in uh, John 19, starting at verse 17. So they took Jesus, and he went out, bearing his own cross, to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Moving on to verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing
4: I'd like to have a prayer on this special day, so let's uh, get our hearts in an attitude of humility before a high and holy God. Father God, our creator, our sustainer, our source of truth, and our victor over sin and death. Thanks to your son Jesus. As Dan just read, we are reconciled to you, God, through the death of Jesus, your son. And this death was no contrived act of men, but a plan devised in heaven eons ago and placed on Earth, so mortal men could be reconciled to an immortal God. As Travis just stated, this plan of reconciliation was finalized when Christ on the cross said, It is finished. Not a cry of defeat or desperation, but a shout of victory. Jesus had done the will of God. Jesus had accomplished the work God had given him to do. It is finished. Christ had died for our sins so that the scriptures could be fulfilled. What a sweet reality. God in Christ reconciling the world to himself. All we need to do is confess our sins to a high and holy God and put our faith and trust in Christ alone for our salvation. In so doing, we will not suffer the penalty of rejecting this wonderful gift. And in so doing, we will not be subjected to eternal separation. And so, this special service, we raise our voices in praise and adoration. Thank you for showing Mercy and judge when judgment was deserved. Yes, Lord, thank you for showing mercy when judgment was deserved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, it's our text. Romans chapter 5, verse 6, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one might dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Chuck Colson had once told the story of a group of American prisoners, prisoners of war during the Second World War, who were made to do hard labor in a prison camp, and each had a shovel, and they would dig all day, and towards the end of the day, towards the evening, they were all called to bring an account of their tools. So they did on one evening, all the soldiers lined up, and these shovels were counted, and the guard counted all of the shovels and realized that one shovel was missing. And then in a rage, he turns to the prisoners and demands that the guilty person step forward. And there was some silence, and no one came forward. So the guard then threatened them, took out his his firearm, and threatened that if the guilty person does not come forward, then he will shoot five men. So after some tense silence, one man steps forward. And it was a 19-year-old boy. And the guard took him and shot him. When the guard had left, after laying it into the prisoners to make sure that they are careful the next time and making sure that they have an accurate, that they keep account of their tool, the prisoners counted all the shovels and discovered that all 20 were accounted for. The guard had miscounted, and the boy had given his life for his friends. Tragic story, very tragic story. And at the same time, we cannot help but appreciate the, the heroism, the courage, the bravery in this 19-year-old boy who gave his life to spare the many. Turning to our passage, we see here also one in the place of the many, but in the passage also I want to highlight for you a scandal that's there in the passage, embedded in the passage, and I don't mean to highlight for you this scandal for just the sake of putting before you a scandal, but in order to show you a great glory that comes out of the great scandal of this passage. Verse 7 again says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one will dare even to die. The passage gives us several different categories. There's a few different categories of people. One of those categories is the righteous. It says that one will scarcely, or one will rarely die for a righteous person. A righteous person in this passage can mean one of two things, I think. One could be sort of the person that we might identify as the goody-two-shoes kind of person. We all know what that person is like. We probably had them in school. Perhaps we've worked with them before, the kind of person who's always doing the right thing and tries to hold other people accountable for doing the right thing as well. And when you're not doing the right thing, well, he will make sure to let the person above you Make sure that they know that they can hold you accountable. This person never lies, never cheats, always doing the right thing. He sort of developed that reputation. And for many, they're kind of annoyed at times. He's not the well-liked kind of person. The other category of person is the good person. One will scarcely die for the righteous person in part because they're not as likable as the good person. We all know a good person when we see one, when we meet one, when we get to know the person. This is the kind of person that you would want as a neighbor. Never throwing house parties, never being loud, never being disruptive. They take care of the perimeter of their house, their yard. They go and help others without you even asking. They come to your house and they, they help shovel you out of your driveway. This is the kind of person who is respectable, well-liked by others. One might might be more likely to die for the good person. And I think we could also add, not to so trying to add to the scriptures, but when thinking about what kind of person would I lay my life down for, or in general, what kind of person would most people lay their lives down for, we think of somebody who's maybe in a military service, or perhaps a secret service, who's charged with protecting the president. Even though they might not have a close personal connection to the president, but their job, their duty, their responsibility is to take a bullet for the president. Out of respect for the office, out of honor another person that sort of might fit that cat or a different category that we might add is the person that we have a close connection to i recently read a story in the news about how two women were hiking up in the mountains and there was this large falling ice coming down and one pushed the other out of the way and then the ice fell on top slammed the person that rescued their friend she was 40, I think 41 years old. The other was in their 20s. They were friends hiking together, and she gave her life to save her friend. Right, we're more likely to lay our lives down for somebody that we know personally, that we have a close connection with. Someone that there is a, there's a relationship there. Other categories you might add is we lay our lives down for somebody who's helpless, for somebody who's the object of injustice, or even somebody who is innocent, but we will sort of put all those persons, all those people, in the and that's in a sort of one category—the ones that we are most likely to lay our lives down for. But in the scriptures, we also have another category of people. This is the ungodly, the sinners, the weak. Ungodly is the, is is not being like God. This is a person who does not have reverence for God, does not respect God, much less do they, they have faith in God. Rather than being like God, instead their life is characterized by a godlessness. There's no desire to please the Lord. Right? They're a sinner. They transgress the moral laws of God. They violate the commandments of the Lord. They do not give thanks, honor to the Lord. They do not love the Lord, the one who made them in His image. They're also weak. Weak as in morally weak. They cannot, in their heart's capacity, be able to do anything to please the Lord, even if they do a lot of good things. They need help. It's part of what it means to be weak, that you need help not only are they unable to please the Lord, but also they cannot help themselves. No matter how how much they tried, no matter how much much effort they put in to try to save themselves, they cannot. In this sense, the apple has fallen very far from the tree. And I'm not just talking a few feet, but miles and miles away from the tree. They're nothing like the God who created them. Someone had once said, when man loses the simple faith of his childhood, belief in home, family, belief in God, he is morally bankrupt. Speaking to those who are in this particular category, Ephesians 2 1 says that they are dead in trespasses and sins. They're not alive to the things of God. Their lives are not in harmony according to the will of God. Psalm 12, verse 1, shows us that this is lamentable. Save, O Lord, for the godly one is gone, for the faithful have vanished from among the children of man. It is lamentable, it is distressing that any should fit this category, but what We see in Psalm 12, and also what we see in the entirety of Scripture, is that this particular category of people, the sinners, the ungodly, the weak, are not just an isolated group of people, a particular country, or a particular nation, but this is a universal problem. This is a universal characterization that everyone is in this category and that no one is in this category, the good and the righteous. Righteous. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's what the scriptures say. Grew up in in Worcester. I remember, this was many years ago, there was a great fire in this building one evening. And of course you had the firefighters come to the scene. They were able, after some time, put out the fire. And people were rescued, but some firefighters lost their lives trying to rescue others. I still, vividly, I still remember the images of their faces and pictures. And to this day in Worcester, there's a memorial to commemorate these firefighters who gave their lives to save others. It's tragic that they lost their lives, but we also appreciate the heroism and the courage the selflessness, the sacrifice to lay one's life down to save others. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one might dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. These firefighters who entered into the burning building most likely did not even know the people that they went in to save. Probably didn't have a close connection to them, probably did not know their names, but it did not matter because they saved their lives. There's a powerful contrast in this passage that really serves to highlight the point of the passage here in verses 6 through 8. And the point of this contrast, this contrast between the good and the righteous and anyone in this category that we might consider worthy of laying our lives down for and the ones in this category that we might never lay our lives down for is that Jesus did not come to die for those who are good and righteous because no person is good and righteous in the world but instead he came to save those in the other category. That he came to die for the weak, for the ungodly, and for the sinner. And Jesus knew them very well. It's not that he went into this burning building and did not know who he came to save. No, he knew them very well. The Bible tells us that the Lord knows our very thoughts, that they're all laid bare before the Lord. The Lord has every one of our hairs numbered. Jesus knew us very, very well, and yet he still came into the world and died for us. He died for those who were his enemies for those who did not believe in him, for those who hated him, for those who did not acknowledge him. Not for the ones in this category, it's for the ones for this cat, in this category, that he came into the world to die and save. And what in the world would drive such an action? What would compel not just a man, but God to go into the world to die for his enemies? Well, the passage tells us Tells us in verse 8, but God shows his what? Love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's not that at some point something changed in us that's between God's coming, Jesus coming to the world and his resurrection, that somehow we became worthy of salvation. No, it says, while we were still enemies, Christ Jesus died for us. And this is how God shows His love. It is love that motivated Jesus in coming into the world to die for His enemies. It is love. And so the subjective love that we experience That we might experience in varying degrees, depending on how close close we walk with the Lord, depending on how much time we spend with the Lord in communion with God in prayer and in the Word and with God's people, or depending on our personal holiness, we might feel subjectively varying degrees of the love of God. It's not that God's love for us changes for you and I but of, no matter how subjective the love of God is for you in your life, even right now, it is grounded in the objective reality that Jesus Christ actually died for sinners. So that whenever we doubt or question the love of God for us, all we need to do is look to the cross and see there the precious Savior who died for his enemies For God so loved the world John 3:16 says that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him And in that passage we see again the great scandal of the love of God the great scandal of the cross is that the son of God died for his enemies And yet it is this scandal that highlights the glory of the cross. Old Baptist minister Octavius Winslow had once said, Little did they dream as they bound the fatal wood upon his shoulder by whose power that tree was made to grow and from whom the beings who bore him to the death drew their existence. So completely was Jesus bent upon saving sinners by the sacrifice of himself, he created the tree upon which he was to die and nurtured from infancy the men who were to nail him to the accursed wood. Oh, the depth of Jesus' love to sinners. Oh, the depth of Jesus' love to sinners. Oh, the depth of of Jesus' love to sinners. Amazing grace, how can this be that thou, my God, should die for me? It is the scandal of the cross that showcases his love. It is the humiliation of the cross that displays his glory. It is the indignity of the cross that only enhances the brilliance of the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ took the shame of dying for his enemies. So that you can say today with confidence and with great assurance that Jesus Christ died for me. On this day, on this Good Friday, we cast our minds to the cross, to Jesus Christ, where he was nailed to that cross. Where he died, not for the good and the righteous, but for his enemies, for you and I. From heaven he came and went to the cross, so that those who were once his enemies might now be made his friends, so that those who were once his enemies might now be made his brothers and sisters in Christ. So that those who were once his enemies might now have a place with Jesus in his eternal abode. And so, this is why we say that this is Good Friday. Because we have a Savior who died for us while we were still enemies. So, we glory in the cross, we rejoice in the cross, we are not ashamed of the cross. What is God's power for our salvation that came to us through the death of our precious Savior Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Jesus, what great love you have for your people. You came into the world. To die for your enemies, so that whoever believes in you might be saved from the punishment that they deserve for their sins and their ungodliness. Lord, who would have thought that this instrument of execution? Created by the Romans, would become something that Christians would glory in. And so we look now to the cross, to the empty cross, where Jesus, our Savior, died. And there he won for us our salvation. There he won for us eternal life and much more. And so we praise you for the cross. We rejoice in the cross. For through the cross you have done for us much good. Help us to continue to look to the cross and there be reminded of the great love that you have for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Church, let's stand and let's sing one more song together in response of today's word on this good Friday. Amen. <clears throat>
2: In darkest night, yet thought I knew time. Right. Hallelujah.
1: For this Good Friday, but I want to thank you as well, Lord, for what, for that while we were still sinners, Lord, Christ died for us. As we heard today, Lord, may we be reminded of the reality and the weight of our sin. So that the depth of Jesus' love and death may be so much sweeter. What a good Friday, and what good news you have given us, Lord. God may we continue to honor you Lord throughout this weekend as we reflect and remember Lord the cross and the amazing sacrifice God that Jesus that Jesus made for us Father you are worthy of our praise worthy Wherever you are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Word of God says, <clears throat> And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Church, God bless you. You're dismissed. Happy Good Friday.